This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, we know how much social platforms have impacted our cultures in the last decade or two, but the success of those platforms have led to the rise of the influencer economy. Those are people who have large followings on these platforms and can influence, at times, the buying decisions of consumers across the world. But the potential ban on TikTok here in the United States could have a significant impact on both content creators and consumers alike. Emily Hund is a research affiliate with the Penn Center for Digital Culture and Society, and she has written a little bit about the influencer economy in the new book titled The Influencer Industry, The Quest for Authenticity on Social Media. Emily, pleasure to have you with us today. Thanks for your time. Sure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And I guess this idea of, of the influencer industry economy, it, it is having a big impact. I, but can we qualify just how much of an impact it is having? Yeah, so influencers definitely seem to be, um, you know, on uh, people's minds a lot more lately. Um, but the industry has really been quietly shaping culture for quite some time. Um, influencers first emerged and became really popular in fields like fashion, beauty, travel, parenting, things like that, actually around the time of the, the recession, um, the, the Great Recession 15 years ago. And for nearly as long, they've been shaping uh, what happens in those fields. So advertisers have looked to them, what products are doing well, what kind of feedback are we getting through influencer channels, who's able to sell and really move products, that sort of thing. And that feedback um, has had a pretty direct impact on the product and marketing decisions that some of these advertisers have been making for uh for a long time but but in the last few years the industry has you know only grown larger and more pervasive the white house engages in influencer marketing but they call it you know creator partnerships corporations like walmart um have programs that encourage their own employees to work as influencers to you know promote the company uh and the path of influencer as a job has become really normalized you know surveys show that kids rank it as a, as a top job that they aspire to. Um, and an overwhelming majority of young adults uh, report that they would be willing to, to post, uh, you know, sponsored content for money. So that's really telling. And then, of course, you know, in purely financials, you know, in the last 15 years, the industry has grown from, you know, essentially nothing into – um, a multi-billion dollar industry, um, you know, it's kind of the exact number varies, but um, it, I saw a, a recent projection that expected it to be worth um, about $20 billion by the end of this year. Mm. Um, and, you know, marketing and advertising spend in this space has been increasing, you know, every year for quite some time. But the the question is whether or not, I guess, you're truly getting the the, the the full story or the correct story about some of these items that may be promoted by these influencers on social media because they are being paid to make these comments uh, uh, about these products. Now, obviously, there are in certain instances, and we've seen this around cryptocurrency uh, with the recent SEC settlement with uh, stars like Lindsay Lohan, uh, mm-hmm. that you know they did not designate that they were being paid uh, to make these comments about this, and I, I think it can, you know, it can lead to some trouble and and lead people into some some poor uh, some poor decisions in terms of the types of products that they buy. 
Yeah, absolutely. I And, you know, the Federal Trade Commission has guidelines for influencer marketing. You know, they say that these relationships, you know, these business relationships have to be clearly and conspicuously disclosed. Um, and but the, the reality is that there isn't enough, um, you know, manpower, I don't think, to actually uh, have consequences for when people run afoul of, of, of these regulations. And so it uh, so I think that's why they, you know, agencies often go after the big names like, you know, Lindsay Lohan or, you know, Kim Kardashian has been held up as an example a few times now. Uh, for not clearly disclosing uh, rela- uh, relationships. And I think that they do that because, you know, that's like the best opportunity to get, you know, a public attention to when someone does something wrong. And it kind of is like a Band-Aid that's, that's not really working for, for the fact that there isn't enough, uh, there aren't enough resources to actually enforce these regulations, um, you know, on every influencer or content creator who might be running afoul of them a little bit of the old line any publicity is good publicity right right <laughs> yeah we, and I we think are joined it, oh sorry, go ahead, go Emily, ahead. i'm sorry <laughs> i was gonna say well, another piece of it too that makes it really complicated is the fact that these influencers really trade on their authenticity and so even yeah. though there is so much going on behind the scenes that the average user doesn't see, you know, the average user scroll, scrolling through their feed just sees the influencer and their content, and they may or may not have, uh, you know, disclosed a, a business relationship. But behind the scenes, it's it's not even just an influencer working with a brand. There, uh, you know, there's a tremendous amount of, um, you know, marketers in the space. The influencers are constantly having to sort of attend to the needs of different stakeholders, whether it's their advertisers, their audiences, or the, you know, the algorithms that govern these platforms that are, you know, could potentially change overnight. What is it, though, about TikTok that kind of differentiates its abilities and capabilities as a platform from the other social media platforms? Um, so TikTok saw huge gains in their in their U.S. user base, like in the early months of the pandemic, you know, when people were home and had a lot more time on their hands. Um, social media use generally increased during this time, but TikTok's user base in particular just like ballooned. Um, and so, uh, you know, they've been successful partially because of circumstances, but also there was this sense um uh, more so at that time that it was really ballooning, uh, that the, the platform is more democratic than other platforms like Instagram. Um, now we know that isn't necessarily true, that TikTok has that heating button, I think they called it, that did promote you know certain content over others. But at the time that TikTok was really making just huge inroads in the U.S., there was this sense that you know, anyone might go viral at any time, you know, is very exciting. And it felt, I, I think, more uh, freeing to people than than platforms um, that were more, you know, well-established like, like Instagram. Instagram. Um, and the type of content was a little bit different, too. You know, it's a, a little bit more uh, lighthearted on the whole. Um, again, I'm thinking I'm thinking back to the, this particular time a few years ago. Um, yeah. And then in these in those really like intense conditions too uh, of 2020 when we were navigating you know uh, the pandemic, the really contentious election season, um, you know George Floyd and protests and the, all of that fallout. 
you know, there was also, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty generally. Um, and there was this opportunity for people um, who were looking to educate and sort of explain things, you know, for better or for worse, because right. creators who do this, you know, are not necessarily trained experts or, you know, credible. Um, but it provided this opportunity for people to position themselves uh, as experts and sort of help people make sense of this situation. And so it has also become sort of like an education platform in some ways, right, for some people who, uh, yeah. you know, are looking for instruction on things, whether it is something, you know, more innocuous like uh, like cooking or something um, to sure. something more serious like explaining, you know, social or, or political goings on. But if we see a ban of TikTok by the Biden administration, what kind of impact does it have on that influencer industry? So um, there is uh, something that has come up a lot in my research, um, which is the phrase, uh, don't put all your eggs in one basket. So this is something that a lot of my interviewees have told me um, over years uh, that, that I was interviewing people for, for my book. Um, so influencing has always been, um, you know, a pretty precarious job, which is interesting because so many people go into it looking for auto autonomy and like, a, you know, a sense of control over their professional lives, the promise of being an entrepreneur, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but the reality is they are beholden to the whims of these privately owned companies, uh, you know, who have little to no responsibility to them. So, you know, the influencers are totally reliant on TikTok, you know, and Meta, again, like I said, a change to the algorithm overnight or to their terms of service or, you know, a bigger scandal or a regulatory change could wipe out um, everything that an influencer has, um, sometimes mm -hmm. with no warning. So the relationship between influencers or content creators and platforms is pretty uneven in that way. And so... Influencers who have been successful over the long term are usually ones who have diversified their income streams. You know, they aren't just reliant on their TikTok or Instagram presence or whatever. They've built followings on multiple platforms. They've got product lines. They're consulting. They started a podcast, uh, this sort of thing. Um, but, you know, a potential TikTok ban does absolutely pose the threat that this could all be taken away, um, especially yeah. for influencers who have, who have built their followings on TikTok. Right. And I guess the other side to it is is what happens if we see, you know, a higher level of regulation around uh, tech in general uh, and what that is going to mean for some of the things uh, that uh, that influencers may or may not be able to do. That's obviously still a little bit further down the pike, though. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think what's most important here, I mean, I, I don't think there's much debate over the over the fact that there have been, you know, harmful uh, consequences to what goes on on these platforms. But what needs to happen is legislators need to do a much better job than they have done so far at understanding the enormous complexity uh, of these, you know, privately owned social platforms from the technical point of view, economic and cultural perspective, so that they can come up with really well-founded solutions, you know, to these problems that you know, we all see and, you know, we all agree that we face issues, but, uh, you yeah. know, we need really thoughtful uh, solutions and, you know, something just like a, like a blanket ban without like a really clear, clear reason why, um, you know, is not is not really a great step. Yeah. 
Emily, great to have you with us. Thanks very much for your time. Good luck with the book. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Emily Hunt, who is a research affiliate with the Penn Center on Digital Culture and Society, the new book that she has out titled The Influencer Industry, The Quest for Authenticity on Social Media. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.